Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode with A to Z Talks. Uh, today, you're joined with me, Helen, and Billy, as well as a very special guest, Joelle, talking about uh, sociology. Um, so let's start with our first icebreaker. Mm-hmm. So, Joelle, what's your recommendation on what's the best bubble tea around? Oh, this is a very hard question because it depends on how like bougie you're feeling, right? So usually, I just go for happy lemon. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. My standard order is Hong Kong milk tea with um, grass jelly. But if I'm feeling a little bit more, you know, want to spend a little more money, I'll go to like <laughs> Xinfu Tang or like Yifang or something like that. So it really depends on how I'm feeling, but mm. those are the best ones. I like to have my bubble teas milky as well. So I like to have my chocolate milky and I like to put light pearls in it. <laughs> but I've never had the grass jelly. I was actually very curious. Um, I went to Chinatown the other day with my friend and mm. it's a grass jelly. I was like, hmm, shall I try it? I was like, what if I don't like it? So, but I think yeah. I'm definitely going to give it a go. It's good, it's good. <laughs> it's a bit bitter, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, the reason I prefer prefer it to tapioca to normal tapioca I'm, I'm very basic i stick to milk tea mm. um but like the reason i prefer it is because i feel like tapioca is a little bit i don't know it kind of sits in your stomach after a while it makes you feel a bit sick <laughs> so like i feel like grass jelly is just a lighter alternative because it's kind of like jelly yeah what um, about you biddy what's your favorite the classic one pool bubble tea and then with grass jelly and mango no was it mango coconut one yeah coconut one and it's always warm as well. That's my one. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I'd always have it cold. <laughs> even in the cold? Even in, like, in winter? Yeah. No ice, obviously. Okay. Or, like, less ice. Yeah. Well, okay, what's you guys' like sugar and, like, ice levels? So my ice would be, like, nearly, like, 60%. <gasps> and then my sugar mm. would be, like, less because it's already sweet itself. But, you know, the other day I tried the warm one and I think you should definitely give it a go because yeah. I was really cold. And I was like, you know what, I'm not going to put the ice or the cold one. I was like, I need to have the warm one. <laughs> so it was very good. It was delicious. Yeah, yeah. And Joelle? It's the best. Sugar-wise? I'm usually, if I'm just normal normal milk tea it's mm. like half sugar half ice um but obviously if you get like brown sugar you can't change it yeah right we'll move on to the next icebreaker so joelle what's been the best book you've ever read so i was thinking about this question and i whipped out two books on my bookshelf so the first one i would say yeah it's an autobiography Is that? i suppose it's called um when breath becomes air you've probably heard of it yeah it's very famous yeah, i have yeah um yeah, that's just, it was just really no, gripping, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And there was another one as well, but I can't remember the name. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and then the second one that I recommend is The Shock Doctrine. So, like, being a sociology student, like, Naomi Klein, Noam Chomsky as well, mm-hmm. like, um, are really good authors. And this one, The Shock Doctrine, talks about, like, Western imperialism mm-hmm. and also disaster capitalism, which is very interesting in the light of recent events mm. and um so yeah i'd recommend it because it's not something that we're taught um and i suppose there's a reason why it's not taught but yeah so we've got two recommendations what? there <laughs> so joelle what made you want to study sociology at the university of bath so i guess the first part would be why do i want to study sociology in the first place um i was actually going to study art mm. um mm-hmm. before mm. i was social i was going to do art going to do like you know graphic design or something like that mm. um but then i kind of got bored of it during Ooh. during sixth form mm. not bored as it you know like there's a whole like creative burnout and stuff because you're constantly producing mm. stuff for the mm-hmm. sake of it basically and i'd started studying sociology and i was like oh this is really interesting and it kind of actually opened my eyes to a lot of different perspectives 
um, like I was saying, you know, the book, like the Shock Doctrine, it opened me up to like, you know, capitalism and how the world actually works. So I guess when deciding for universities, I think I mentioned this in one of my YouTube videos, like mm-hmm. I basically just looked at the league table like everyone does, um, but I made sure to look at the ones that, you know, just good for sociology. And I visited Bath, mm. love the city, and the course is very flexible. That's basically, I think, the biggest reason why I went to Bath is because the modules are so interesting and you get a lot of optional choices and you can either, you can even study like modules across departments. So I took Italian in my first year, which was, which was really interesting. Um, and yeah, I guess that's basically why I wanted to do sociology at Bath specifically. Mm. Sounds great. I mean, from product design to sociology, mm. it's quite a big jump. But if it's something you enjoy, I think that's amazing what you're doing. So as a follow up, what do you like about sociology and what would you say you dislike about it? I guess it's just, it is real life. We're basically living it out. And I find it very ironic. I'm studying sociology and institution. Like that's within this whole like system, like capitalism and stuff. I go on about that a lot. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's just very, very interesting. Um, It's not just common sense. Like a lot of people seem to think it's not easy at all. You'd be surprised at the amount of depth and analysis. Your brain is basically fried once you finish an essay because like it's that deep. And what do I dislike about it? Mm, That's a very hard question. I don't dislike that much stuff about it. I guess the only thing I, I think is pity is that there mm-hmm. are so much research out there. I'm sure, you know, when you're at university, you access all these, like, um, all these scholars' work, like at- academia, but none of it is actually translated into policy, which I think is a big, like, shame because, you know, they've done all this research, gone, gone through all this schooling, but only the easiest, the one that fits the agenda will end up like in policy and stuff. So it's not something I dislike, but something that I sometimes think like, oh, it's kind of, I feel like it's a bit of a waste. Yeah. Um, on one of the YouTube videos, you spoke about sociology is not a uh, soft subject. So what, what would you say to the people that says it's a soft subject? What do you mean by soft? Right? As in, like, it's an it, easy that's, subject. That's something I would ask yeah. them. Like every single subject is difficult mm. in its own right. Like. Mm. I don't know architecture for example i know people are doing architecture and it's i don't know how they do it honestly mm. and people are just like oh you're just coloring or like we're talking about geography for example like you know you're just coloring like maps and stuff but or geography yeah yeah geography, right rocks <laughs> <laughs> but honestly every single the amount of depth that you go into i think as as a sociology student who has a bit of a i guess i don't know critical like marxist perspective the reason it's rated as a soft subject is because mm. we aren't encouraged to think critically. And if we're all encouraged to think critically and actually do sociology, there'd be a lot of a lot more discontent about how society is run from a systemic level, i.e. like institutions and stuff to, you know, just racism on a day to day basis and things like that. People will be a lot more aware. And actually, who does it benefit that we're not aware of this? Right. Obviously, those in power and those that want to keep the system the way it is mm. but anyway i could go on about that but um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah we'll, we'll leave there then um so the next question is what advice would you give to students who are currently applying for sociology at university level my advice would mm. be i guess from a like a personal statement mm. kind of view yeah like what you say and stuff like make sure that you're actually speaking from yourself mm. and your own interest in the subject because at the end of the day, they don't want to know what you know. Because mm. the people that are marking your personal statement, who are looking at your personal statement, 
are the experts. You don't need to prove that you know all of this, like, um, concepts and things. And also, they can tell when you've used the synonym function in Word, right? You don't need to use big words. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, yeah, I just say, like, let your passion shine through. Like, pick something that you're really interested about. Show that you've um, researched into it. So, like, books that you've read and talk about why you think it's interesting. Mm. And kind of always, always, I always say this, but you need to always make sure everything in your personal statement is related to either how it will help you on your course or how it will help you at university in general because like if it doesn't just leave out because i think a lot of people struggle with actually cutting it down Mm. and you end up with so much to say and so much you want to include but actually a lot lot of the time it's not fully relevant so Mm. yeah I think my main advice is for personal statement, but also just make sure that the course and the options, the optional modules, you can access those online. So for example, at Bath, we have the program catalog, the unit catalog, which literally has all the available units. Sorry, for each degree program. And you can see, you know, what's interesting and whether you actually want to go there, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's, like I said, again, one of the reasons that I came to Bath. Yep, definitely. I think with the personal statement, you need to, keep it nice precise and short mm. because that's one of the problems that i had where i wrote too much and it's mm. really so hard to go back and cut it out because you think everything's important so make sure to include like what is necessary and what's going to relate to you in the best way yeah so um as well as what advice would you give to a student who are revising their sociology exams for a level or university so do you have any tips i mean it depends whether you're doing exams or yeah. whether you're doing coursework um coursework i would break it down into like six steps i think it is so number one i think about okay what are your available mm-hmm. hours that you want to work so is it like 10 a.m to 6 p.m kind of thing um with like lunch break in the middle and then you've got to figure out um all the different components for your coursework so the introduction body paragraphs conclusion graphs whatever it is you need and then figure out okay how many like what's the word count right like how much do you actually have to do and um figure out how much you need to do per hour in order to complete your coursework within a certain time frame i'm not doing a very good at ex- explaining this but I will, yeah. i'll tell you which video that i actually explained the whole thing in yeah. which breaks it down much better um, but in terms of exams i would say like just active recall um and just um revise little and often it's a lot easier said than done i will mm. admit but yeah active it's recall. pretty standard advice but it works mm. so there's a reason for it that's great yeah so the next one um is how, how do you think sociology is it's different from A-level to uni, yeah, mm. from your experience, because you've done like three years now, nearly three years. It's very different. Mm. Um, all I will say that in, you, in sociology in um, A-level, I was just remembering stuff and regurgitating what I'd learned. Yeah. Whereas in university, you have to do a lot of your own analysis. And also you have to search for your own references. So you need to search for articles, books, uh, whatever it is, and use them to back you up. Whereas in A-level, you were given a set, you know, you are given a set curriculum to learn. And within that set curriculum, there are authors and obviously they are the main theorists. So, you know, there's a reason they're there, but you don't look at anyone else. So you're just saying like, oh, this person said this, but this person said this, mm. um, you know, however, da, da, da. Whereas like in university, you actually have to, you have to formulate your own argument Mm-hmm. before using other people to back you up and not just using their arguments as your own because then you're not really analyzing anything 
or producing any of your own analysis. I think that's the main difference. But I guess all the, the depth and the breadth of the curriculum obviously is incomparable. But yeah, yes, university level sociology is definitely more interesting. More interesting. <laughs> yeah, in university, I think there's definitely more independent and it's just everything's more on you now and yeah. it's up to you. So with all of this university work, how do you keep yourself motivated um, for the past two years and as well as during these COVID times? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the that's the million dollar question at the moment. Like, how do you? Because you know, we're not getting a lot of our money's worth at the moment. But I feel like I just kind of take it day by day and just doing what I need to do and um, just doing things on the side that that interest me. So I do life coaching as well, mm. and I have like podcasts and stuff. So just just kind of like doing things that make you <laughs> happy and actually mm. motivated outside of uni work because. Mm. You know, sociology obviously is very interesting for me, but when you keep having to write essays, mm. it can start feeling a bit like chores, like, like you know, you have to do it. And at the end of the day, I'm mm. going to do it because I need that piece of paper to say that, you know, I've got a degree. <laughs> it is a piece of paper at the end of the day that I, I kind of paid all this money to get. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and also just surrounding yourself with people that... Um, motivate you as well Um, not only in a work sense but also just in a life sense Um, just encourage you to keep going because inevitably there are going to be ups and downs even more so this in this period of time Mm. so yeah that's what I'd say especially the cancellation of exams upsetting yes for a lot of students some might be happy though so yeah (laughs) yeah I mean I guess another thing I would say a really big thing is to have like rest and actually take time out for yourself Mm. because I think a lot of people only do work and that's what they do Mm. um and i feel like that's not obviously it's not healthy and you're going to run into like burnout at some point Mm. and so just taking that time out for yourself whether it's going for walks doing exercise or just you know cooking stuff if that's what you like (laughs) having boundaries and designating time for rest is really important um because sometimes i find myself working after dinner and it's like suddenly nine and then it's ten and i'm like oh well i kind of need to sleep soon but i'm still working like how did i get here so um yeah boundaries rest is Mm. really important exactly so the next question is uh so in terms of future job prospects so where do you see yourself applying sociology in real life in the future so what jobs I would say that I am applying sociology in my everyday life Mm. at the moment because the concepts that you learn aren't just like airy fairy abstract concepts they are things that you see in the day-to-day for example even in school you can see that you know why do we wear uniforms you know maybe it's to prepare us to be uniformed workers and kind of just do do work for the sake of it because we know what's going to earn us money but at the end of the day it's not really benefiting us that much um, so it's really transferring the, the the concepts into actually applying them into everyday life and actually um, seeing how they relate. Mm-hmm. And I guess in terms of the future and when I graduate this summer, I am also the plan is to carry on life coaching and also I teach English on the side, so that will mm-hmm. carry on going. And I'm planning to go into like marketing, yeah. but actually also build up my user experience UX portfolio on the side. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, having that impact as a life coach is very, you know, intimate on the one-on-one level. But I feel like, you know, being able to impact design and stuff or be able to scale that impact a bit more mm-hmm. and, you know, making sure uh, like equity and equality is really important for me in my like design work as well. So that's how I will 
will be applying it in my future life future and life. everyday life. Cool. Sounds interesting and sounds fun, definitely. definitely. What, you, what you've been doing. Mm. Um, so in terms of future jobs and prospects, um, so are they like, what are the career options that you have with sociology? Um, like I say to anyone who asks this question, mm. sociology is much like any of the other humanities. So you, you might be asking the same question to someone who studies history, like, are you going to be a historian? No, you know, um, you can basically do so many things. I feel like the massive, massive downfall of education is that you aren't showing the breadth of jobs that are actually out there. Mm. And therefore, as graduates, we are very underskilled to enter the actual job market. Um, and so, you know, there are lots of organisations trying to like battle this. And job prospects, yeah, much like any other humanities. So I have friends who have gone into government. So I have people, I know people working in like HMLC, like DEFRA or... Um, agriculture mm. like civil service basically or you can do research you can do into social research you can go into you can teach you mm. can you know be a lecturer, to, a lecturer if you want like an academic um but i think most people might go into i don't know like marketing hr mm, that's one of the most like stereotypical ones i suppose mm. um you can do a lot you can do consulting you can do honestly a lot you just need to research what fits your values what fits your skill set and what you're interested in um, so I just say, start with where you're interested in and just go from there. Because you need a starting point. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's about learning and gaining the skills through the course. So that's what allows you to apply for jobs and being able to apply for them. So it really doesn't matter what, what it does kind of matter what you study. Mm. But it's about gaining the skills, the essential skills that you need to work for later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I suppose just do intern internships and pick up anything on the side that you've got time for. To yeah. have the experience at least. Yeah. Right. So the last question is as you know, the unemployment rate um, has definitely increased due to the pandemic a lot. Um, I think I read um, it was like 3 million from last uh, compared to last year. So it was a big figure. Um, so what steps or development do you think people should take to make themselves more employable? Yeah, I think part, you know, coming off my last point, mm. like just doing something to increase your employability is to. Mm -hmm get experience literally experience in anything even like a bar job or like waitressing or something yeah. at least you you can show the employer that you've got initiative and the skills that you learn customer facing you know thinking rapidly on your feet is a massive is a big skill that you need in a lot of jobs that are pretty fast-paced mm. um so literally doing any experience but obviously the more um, related to your field or interest, the more your employer will see it as like something useful. Mm. But just doing anything on the side, really, it shows that you've got like passion and drive and initiative to do your own thing, which is something that I feel like a lot of people don't have because mm. just through school and stuff, a lot of people just do school and that's it. Whereas if you can show that you can manage something, you know, time management is really important. So if you can show that you can manage something on the side while doing your studies, like that's a massive mm. bonus, you know, push put, you ahead of your peers. So yeah, that's definitely something that I would do. And also just read books, yeah. audios, audiobooks, podcasts, you know, just yeah. we got two uh, on the line. You know, pursue yeah. anything yeah. that you're interested in and you'll end up somewhere that you are meant to be. That's good. So we got the uh, shock doctrine and the... Um... When breath becomes air. Yeah, that one. <laughs> when breath <laughs> becomes air, I just, just blanked out there. Cool. So I suppose you can find me at Joelle Poir underscore J-O-E-L-L-E-P-H-U-A 
underscore on Instagram or on YouTube, which is just Joelle Porter. And yeah, I guess you can also find me on my podcast, which is Let's Talk with Joelle. But there you go. But uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure to talk about university experience and all of that. Thank you. Thank you. We'll put like links on on the podcast. So we'll do that. And uh, thank you again. And we'll see everyone in the next episode.